I see lots of founders reach out to me that hey I am building this and should I open source it you still need to think about why am I open sourcing it is does this serve a developer audience like it doesn't solve all your problems it's just one angle to try to see if there is interest in the community or whatever Hi everyone, you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Prane, who is the co-founder of Signals, and Signals is an open source observability platform. You could think of it like an open source version of Datadog, and they're doing really, really well, growing really fast, so I'm really excited to have Prane on the show today. Thanks so much for joining, Prane. Thanks for having me, Jack. Prane, could you tell us a bit about Signals and about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Pranay. I'm one of the co-founders of Signals. Uh, have been a dev developer myself in the past. Uh, worked in MNCs like Microsoft and then started Signals because of a problem uh, we saw in a company which I was working for. Uh, Signals is an open source observatory platform. We help developers monitor applications and troubleshoot problems. Uh, we launched around... Two years back, we are at 11,000 GitHub stars, 2,000 plus members in Slack community, uh, and 100 plus contributors from across the globe. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, and what was the problem that you experienced in your company, in the previous company? Yeah, so, um, so before, so I was leading product and the whole engineering team was sort of uh, under me and what we're seeing was that we're not having good uh, ability tools in our team. So we're using some version of Prometheus and we're using Elastic, but like Elastic would frequently fail down. And whenever a problem occurred or whenever a customer issue occurred, we would have lots of trouble in figuring out like, hey, where's the problem, right? And each minute you sort of are in a state where your systems are not working well, it leads to loss of revenue, it leads to bad customer experience, right? So it's a mission critical sort of problem when that happens. And we used to get together in a war room mode, have all the relevant devs who look into individual areas and trying to sort of, hey, you look into this, you look into this and trying to figure out like, where is the problem, right? And, and that's uh, tricky because especially in today's world when people are using microservices, uh, there are just no single code which you can look into and see the logs, but different services talk to each other and try to communicate with each other. If a problem occurs in one part, one service, the issue is reflected in some other service and figuring out what is the root cause is really uh, the core problem, right? And that's essentially the problem which Observity solves, that it gives you ability to ask questions from your software system that, hey, if this API is taking a longer time, why is it taking a longer time? And what could be the possible one, two, three reasons because of it? So rather than you, like each member of the team, as I explained, looking into a particular signal and trying to understand what is wrong, you can ask questions to a tool like Signals and then be able to say that, okay, these two might probably be the reasons and go deeper into that rather than trying to explore 10 reasons for that. That's yeah. sort of a nutshell of like what does Observity do? 
Yeah, it was really cool. I saw on the demo that you gave us, like, you could kind of click on, like, an API request and see, like, okay, which part of this was taking yeah. the most time and stuff. And then yeah. it's, like, really cool. You can go to a very detailed breakdown of, like, a request which entered your infrastructure, where is it is spending time on, which service is taking more time, which service is, uh, like, throwing errors. Are these DBs? Are these some... AWS queues, which are taking time. So get into all those details very quickly. Yeah, it's like, is this kind of, when it when you're making it that kind of easy to use, does it also like cross over into like, almost like a product manager could like open up and take a look as well? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. So though like the main user of our product is our DevOps engineer and developers who actually manage services, but it could be argued that a product manager can see and try to understand that, okay, if something is going wrong, what could be possible reason? So uh, as I said, right, I was already leading product teams and whenever my certain KPI would go down, I would ask my engineering lead that, hey, like, is it because of some thing in the software or the product which has gone wrong? Are any APIs getting slow? And sometimes those are the reasons, right? So this is something which people have not explored yet, I think, as much as it could be. But this is something which we have in plan for Signado's roadmap on, like, hey, can we tie this product metrics to the engineering metrics? As of now, these sort of work separately. Like, this product managers generally don't look into it in infra metrics. But if we can make that system much like easy to understand and simpler to look, even product managers should be able to understand that, okay, this is my service, uh, which my funnel uses. And if this is showing higher number of errors, there is a high likelihood that the conversion conversion rate for this funnel would be lower. Mm. Yeah, that's actually really, really cool. It's like opening it up to everyone that can just like yeah. take a look at the dev performance and see, yeah, link it back to real kind of metrics. Yeah. yeah, and if you think about it today, like developer, like people don't want to mess with dev because it's like sort of considered at a higher pedestal. Can you sort of democratize that access to everybody in the team? Like, of course, like it's very specialized skill, so it's like difficult to understand what's really going on. But I think some teams have product managers which are technically enough to sort of make sense of what could be going there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like kind of, I don't know, Figma... Like the way that, you know, Figma opened up like doing some mock-ups to the whole team and, you know, and still the designers are the ones that, you know, really understand this and, and make it yeah. good. But yeah, it's like you could ask yeah. more dangerous But But questions. like for me, I'm not a designer, but I can make some basic uh, designs and be happy about it. That hey, like, I can make some yeah. designs. So, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um so it sounds like it's like really amazing. You've come at it from a big problem that you experienced and you've gone after solving that. Um, and now within a pretty short space of time, you're at like 12K GitHub stars um, and you're getting a lot of traction, it seems like. what? <laughs> how, did, how did you go from identifying a problem to getting that kind of, that really promising traction? Yeah, I think... What we first sort of understood that this is a very important problem and this is going to be more and more critical as 
more part of our economic becomes digital, right? If you think of any company, the real IP in that company is sort of the software company, even if it's, for example, a food delivery company, the real IP or the real value is in the software research, we sort of a science, where is the, what's the ideal distribution pattern? How can you make the deliveries faster, right? So the fundamental thesis is that software is becoming more and more important. Software infrastructure is becoming more and more complex with things coming like Kubernetes, microservices, understanding and making sense of it is becoming more and more difficult. So you would need tools which can help people get a sense of uh, how the software system is performing, right? So, so that that was sort of the core hypothesis. And we started with open source because we, we think that because this product is fundamentally used by developers, apart from like product manager use case, which we're just talking about, if we do that future, but fundamentally the core users are the developers, right? And as developers ourselves, we, we love uh, the approach and the ease of use of open source product. You can just go to a community, get started, start tinkering with it. And if you have any questions, there's a community around it. Compared to, for example, you sign up for a product and then if you have any problem, you have to go to support, talk to account manager. So it's just a much more natural way to play around with software. And I think fundamentally all developers are tinkerers first. So that's why we decided to sort of attack this problem in an open source way. And when we saw the market, we didn't see, like there was products like Grafana, which does like individual things. For example, you can do metrics with Prometheus or you can do elastic logs with elastic, but you can't, you didn't get all the three signals in one place, like metrics, traces and logs in one place, for example, which tools like Datadog do. So, so that was the whole approach that, hey, like, can we build something, an experience like Datadog in open source? And fortunately, we got into YC, uh, Y Combinator, which is an accelerator based out of US. And that was very helpful for us in, in terms of even understanding and getting visibility in the market on like what people use. And uh, we were part of Winter 21 batch. So lots of feedback in, from the fellow co-founders yourself in the batch. So that helps helped us a lot. And yeah, we once we built the product, we launched with the community. We did a launch in Hacker News that went decently well. We had around 200 plus of votes. And yeah, at least what that sort of gave us confidence that it is resonating with the developer community that there's a need for a tool like this. And, and yeah, started building from there bring uh, producing more content launching in different forums like basically the idea is that anywhere developers are there can we reach out to them and sort of get feedback on the product see understand like what they have to say about it and invite them to our community or our github and because it's an open source project you can start playing around with it comment it things like that so that has been the sole approach reach out to developers, try to create a content on what we are doing and then share with the community and get more and more feedback from there. And yeah, I think till now it has been decent run. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I think there is some resonance in the market on like what we are doing. 
and we're trying to get deeper into it. Yeah, that makes sense. And so one of the things you said there is that you're like looking for feedback. You're asking developers for feedback. You're going where they are, asking for feedback and getting them, asking them to join the community or or just tinker around with uh, with the project. What do you kind of like measure as like success in that sense? Is it like the number of people like opening pull requests or like how do you think about like what the goal is for you? Yeah, I think one of the goals for us is to measure how deeply people are engaging with the product. Um, and one way to measure that is what type of questions are they asking in the community? Uh, is it just that, hey, how do I get this services data to this? Or, hey, I am using this in production and I am hitting the scale. And because of that, this issue is coming, right? So there's, there's a sort of gradual scaling because when we started earlier, it was mostly like, hey, like I'm trying to install here and then I'm not able to install it, right? So we learned from that. We started building more docs around it and like making it more and more clear. And and that's like one of the learnings. How can we make docs much better? Because developers don't go to your landing page. They go to your docs. <laughs> they, they don't care about what you've written on your like main page. They go to your docs and then they see, can they make sense of it, right? And they will give you like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. If they can get something up and running, cool. If not, they will just leave you because there are other things to do, right? So like early in our days, lots of feedback was around, hey, I have a Java app. How do I instrument it? Or like, how do I get data from this to Signals? And slowly as we improve the docs, the type of questions become much deeper that, hey, I am instrumenting this Java app, I'm seeing this traces, and I'm also seeing the logs. How do I tie traces with the logs? Which is a more interesting question. And like, so is that here, like you are using more deeply. And then, then we started seeing that as people started using the product more and more, uh, they saw that, hey, this is not working or this is not working in this way. Maybe it's, there's a better way to do this. And then we asked them like, like, can you open a pull request for that? And yeah, interestingly, people are, if they are using a product and then they think they can improve it, they are happy and willing to contribute back, which has been very interesting for us. And, or maybe it's just that I am running it in this version of Linux. And as of now, your instructions or like the default talker instructions which you have doesn't include that. I will add that. What that helps us do is add more people who can easily now try signals much more easily who are using that Linux version or that sort of install instructions, right? So, so yeah, so uh, to your question, we try to understand like, are people using it more deeply? One of the, one of the ways are people opening pull request? Are people asking deeper questions in the community? Are people contributing back? So we have seen even contribution nerd docs, uh, that, Hey, like this, I tried this step, something was not missing here or this stack it works slightly in a different way and hence uh, would be good to add here. And then we say, hey, our docs are also open source, so you can just create a pull request. So so that, that that's something which we uh, measure deeply. And, and yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Um, and then one of the questions that we had from Uppal, who I should also say thanks, shout out to Uppal from Digger for... Uh, recommending that we invite Pranay onto the, onto the show. 
Uh, Paul was wondering like how you're going to kind of what the path to monetization will be from kind of the success of the open source project. Yeah, so uh, the way we think about it is the two uh, two sort of main angles. We are following an open core business model where the core of the software is free and open source. But if you're a big company, you're deriving value from the product, the certain set of features which you would not want, uh, which like smaller teams would not want, and that you should be able to uh, pay for. So things like security, more advanced compliance features, more detailed RBAC controls, things like that. So those are in the enterprise version. They are not in the community edition. So that's one model. But we also see requests from users who want to who like like signals, uh, but want don't want to host it because some teams are don't have enough DevOps resource or bandwidth to like host their own object infrastructure. So uh, we'll all we can also offer a SaaS offering there where we will host signals for them and they they can just send us their telemetry data and then we take care of the monitor, like hosting part, scaling part, and things like that. So yeah, so uh, one option is the enterprise edition, which people can run in their cloud, but want certain features generally for bigger companies. And like, if you don't want the, like to run signals in your infrastructure, you can just use the hosted version and go with it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then how do you think about like kind of the funnel of like, I guess there's people that come in, they like check out the open source project, and then some stuff happens in the middle. And then on the other side, some percent of those end up bringing you into their company or um, opening a subscription. Like, how do you think about like what happens in between? Yeah, I think uh, what we have seen generally is that is generally a developer who is trying to solve a problem or he has got mandate from a team that, hey, like we need to replace our observatory system and then he's exploring things in the market. He starts trying it in, out in his laptop and see if it works or not. And then as he gets more confidence, he or she instruments more and more services, more starts sending more and more data. And then it goes to a adoption in a team, maybe a team which is handling that service, right? Or handling that application that starts adopting the product. And if that works well, they would go to sort of evangelize on their, like this essentially, this guy essentially, or the lady essentially becomes the champion and evangelizes the product in his org or her org that, hey, this is the, can we adopt this in more, more systems? And then somebody starts and comes that, hey, like, what, what do we need to do to make it more production ready? And what I've seen is generally companies, when they want to deploy something in like much bigger org wide scale, they want to talk to somebody on somebody who can support them or they know that there are people around that, right? So, so that has been interesting. That is generally the, generally the path we have seen that people start trying out small get more and more people in the team get adopted. And then if they see it fits the need and it is the prop solving the problem they're trying to solve, then somebody higher up in the org gets involved and then reaches out. Uh, yeah. So that has been involved. We don't 
have like too much data as of now. We're still very early in our monetization effort on like to sort of understand more deeply on this funnel. But this is the main route we are sort of trying to encourage and follow. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And is there like anything that you do currently that like you think accelerates like the likelihood that someone starts to try it out in their team or then starts to try and think about getting it production ready? Yeah, I think one of the most important learnings for us has been to make it very easy to set up in a single dev box so that there's no friction in trying out the product. Um, for example, earlier we were based on Druid as a data store and that needed, though it's like as good as a ClickHouse, which is our current data store, uh, you need certain higher number of infrastructure resources to start running it, right? But uh, what sort of that uh, inhibits or like introduces friction is that the developer would need to have access to bigger clusters or more infrastructure even before trying Signals, right? So we really focused a lot on making this very easy for single developer to use it, even though ultimately our product is used by a team. It's, it's not a generally a single developer uh, use product. So, so that has uh, been very interesting for us and how that can be enabled much deeply. The next step is that if you start sending data, are you able to see in the product very quickly? So that is sort of the aha moment that if that, if they are able to see something which they are sending in the product, they get more confidence that, okay, let's play more with it. Try to understand what this is, this can give and get more insights from there. Right. So, so these are the two key steps which we as of now focus on mostly on like getting to the aha moment very quickly. Can you install very easily in a single dev environment? And can you quickly get to see, start seeing data? And some of this could be like very easy Helm charts, which are like if your Kubernetes provide Helm charts, which can get us started very quickly. Uh, pre-built Docker Compose images, pre-built uh, infra charts, things like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. The aha moment, um, just making that as easy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one final question. Um, one of the things I've seen that you've got quite prominently on your website is your technical writer program. Um, so I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so the way we came across it was that our products are very technical and to educate users about our domain, we need to write a lot of content, right? And because it's very technical, like a single person, like a person in-house in the team can't write everything because if you're writing something about Java, you can't write. Generally, you, you a single developer doesn't know all languages as well, right? So if somebody knows Java, he doesn't know Python and we can't have too many people just for writing content. So a natural extension was that can we outsource this to community also that because there are different people who have very specific good knowledge on specific stacks and can they write for example tutorials on how to use signals or how signals might be relevant or how to do 
a particular thing on java or how to do a particular thing on python and it's very difficult to find a single person who knows all these things in detail because you need to get very detailed right so it has been sort of motivated from also from the technical aspect of our product because if you are a e-commerce product generally everybody can write about all aspects about e-commerce right uh uh or if you're just a company or product which just works with javascript stack if somebody is good in javascript you can write everything but we are sort of a more horizontal product because you can have different type of applications which start sending data to us and and hence we sort of thought that hey like what's the scalable way to do this and one of the suggestions was that hey can we ask members in the community who have understanding of specific things specific stacks and ask them if they can write tutorials or uh, blogs around that and and yeah i think that has that has been a good experiment we have we have been able to produce good amount of blogs on that and uh yeah i think this is one of our scalable way to produce content especially if a product is very wide and needs lots of technical depth yeah I really like the way you talk about the horizontal. If your product's horizontal, then the knowledge is just not really possible to keep like in-house. It's it's very difficult to find somebody who knows JavaScript in depth, Java in depth, Go in depth, Elixir in depth. And if you go to our docs, we have like eleven languages which which you can instrument and send data to students. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> that's uh, that's very difficult. Um, okay, Prane, that's amazing. Um, so I think that's all we've got time for, but one of the things we ask everyone now is, um, the TLDR or TLDL, what is, what would be your key takeaway for someone listening, um, who's building a dev tool? Yeah, I think I would say more specifically for open source product, because I see lots of founders reach out to me that, Hey, I am building this and should I open source it? uh right and and one of my questions would be that hey like why do you want to open source is the final user portion or developer and even if you open source it it doesn't take away the need to make a great product uh right so so open source is just one one thing like it's it's that you have open sourced the code but you still need to build like talk to users still need to build a great product though open source like accelerates a lot of this like because getting feedback from the community is much faster um getting feedback on like how the product you have built is much faster so all this the like good things about open source but you still need to think about why am i open sourcing it is does this serve a developer audience uh and you still need to build a good product and talk to users right so not to take open source as a like solve like it doesn't solve all your problems it's just one angle to uh try to see if there is interest in the community on what you're building yeah 100% makes sense um great great comment um pranay thanks so much for joining Sure. Where can people learn more about yourself and about Signals? Yeah, sure. So uh, 
we are a pretty active Slack community. Uh, we are open source. So just go to github.com slash signals slash signals. And I think you will find lots of content on how to follow. And we have a pretty active Slack community. Uh, you can just, if you have any questions around signals, you can just join in and ask. And you should be able to find it. signals.io slash Slack. That's all. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining and thank you everyone for listening. Cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jack, for having us. And thanks for inviting uh, DevTool founders. Because well, I think there's lots of understanding and knowledge to be shared in this community. And I think podcasts like this would help more and more people to learn on how to build such companies and products. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks to Opal as well. <laughs>